Hello and welcome to All Things Business, the podcast, looking at the businesses and people who bring their expertise and employment to the Northamptonshire, Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes region. It's good to be back. I'm John Griff, and in this third edition of the podcast, the last one of 2020 and the last one before the biggest single change to trade that this country has seen in almost a century, we take a look at a quartet of quality businesses. There's the Northamptonshire business enjoying not double but triple digit expansion in its client base and with more to come. Yeah, so we have been, we've been growing rapidly and um, so we went from the beginning of the year, we had 3,000 clients and we're going to finish on 6,000 at the end of 2020. We've just opened an office in Spain and, and we've got two new starters to join early 2021. There's the conference, leisure and training complex, giving delegates a unique way to wind down and also gear up. You've got huge colouring in walls. The guys will come out of their training room and they'll pick up the colouring in pens and they'll stand there for half an hour talking to each other and colouring in. We call in on Semlep for a snapshot of the present and a forecast of the future post-Brexit. In the last few weeks, sort of pre the the sort of latest lockdown, we have started to see job postings and job vacancies sort of recover to pre-lockdown levels, which is, you know, which is a positive thing. And there's the former World Cup winning sports star who's now bringing his team working skills to a new enterprise. Our facility is going to be completely open, hopefully in March with everything's going on. Um, We've had the first bottles and cans filled last week. Um, I've done quite a bit, considerable bit of tasting, so I'm happy with them. Um... (laughs) (laughs) There's plenty to come before last orders in December's edition of All Things Business, the podcast. So settle in for the next half hour and let's get going. Lots of businesses have names which give no clue as to the work or services that they provide. But with Sign-In App, based in a barn in the rolling Northamptonshire countryside, clarity is everything. Dan Harding and Chris Burton are directors, who I spoke to a couple of weeks ago. I asked Chris whether the business of Sign-In App really is as clear as what it seems to say on the tin. Pretty much, that is exactly what it does. We sign in visitors and staff to for predominantly health and safety reasons, you know, to make sure you've got an accurate count of who's uh, on site, to make sure that you can have a roll call or an evacuation and know exactly who's in the premises. Um, but also it's evolved into a, a staff uh, a staff tool to um, keep track of hours of when people are signed in for, from a safety perspective, but also from like a timesheet perspective. Dan, on, on the face of it, it's a very simple product. Is it something that is completely standalone? Does it require a lot of training in for clients and their staff, many of whom, of course, won't be, have been in the office since March of this year? It is a simple product to get set up with. We're quite proud that you can be set up using the product um, for free in 15 minutes um, and you're using the core features, but you can make it pretty smart. We've got global organisations that are signing into offices all around the world. Um, that's asking health questions, sending notifications based on um, their answers to alert someone if they have been in contact with someone with COVID, for example. So one, it can be pretty smart, but we are really proud that it is self-set up, but we've got a really great customer experience team that's online to answer questions if required. Chris, managing that data, holding on to that data, making sure that data is is safe and secure is, is a really big thing for all kinds of businesses. How is sign-in app secure in that way? Can you be hacked? Uh, no. <laughs> we, we, it's basically what we spend our, 
vast majority of our time doing is making sure that we've got the right controls in place to to protect uh, visitors' data because we're not only handling you know the data for our clients but also their visitors and it's personally identifiable data. So um, many businesses classify that as the most sensitive information that they're going to be collecting. So. Um, for us, it's all about having the right infrastructure in place, making sure we make the right investments to have um, the correct data centers that are, are all locked down, and then having the, the know-how and the, the skills and knowledge in-house to, to make sure that we, we look after you know, that data as we should be doing. Now, you talked about worldwide clients. So where does the data end up? Does the data end up here in the UK from a client who might be in central europe or might be out in australia or something like that the expansion of your market is going to drive the way in which you manage that data surely so we had a pretty big project this year that we've called regions and um, we identified as our client base grew and was across the globe that we needed to address where data was stored because it was always a really key selling point for our uk customers and you mentioned Brexit as well. So quite early on, probably about two and a half years ago, people were starting to ask us, well, when Brexit happens, where will our data be stored? Regions now allows our customers to choose where they store their data from four data centers, UK, US, um, EU data center, which is in Stockholm. And then we've got one in Australia as well. And right now, obviously, there's a, there's a fairly big implication concerning data when it comes to test and trace, when it comes to COVID-19. How does your product either assist your clients or perhaps assist test and trace? The main uh, control that we put in place recently with the uh, test and trace element is controlling how long the data is stored because one element of test and trace is if you are bringing people onto site, you need to have their contact information to be able to contact them in the event of an outbreak. And one of the controls that's within Sign and App allows them to say how long that data is stored, which I think is three weeks for the uh, recommended amount of time so it just means that you're not storing data for any longer than you need to and particularly with test and trace it, some of the mechanisms that people have put in place early on to record that information was writing into books it was putting it onto a spreadsheet it was all, all the forms of data collection that have no controls so ultimately who's who's got access to that who's got eyes on it um, and if you're talking about the, you know, the, the personal information of your guests you need to make sure that that's locked down to just the people who need to have access. Chris, one of the things that most attracted me when I was looking at the product itself is that you encourage people to use a piece of technology that is going to be widely available right across the whole of the globe. You can even reuse technology that might have fallen into disuse in the form of iPads. It actually dramatically changes the cost of your product if you don't have to supply the iPad to the client. Yeah, I mean, the great thing is for the iPad as a, as a, as a standalone product is it's, it's reliable. We've had really good track record with that as a product, um, even going into you know, devices that are six or seven years old. They don't have to be the latest and newest uh, technology. It's all self-contained. It's a touchscreen. It's got all the intelligence inside it, so you don't need a, you know, a PC hidden off somewhere that does all the, 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 the workings. Um, and a massive market for us is education, um, and obviously for education for you know we've done a lot in care homes and um, all sorts of different industries that do have to watch what they're spending and having an option where they can reuse an existing device that they may have had for another purpose and then present it effectively all, all of the ipads have got great screens so everybody gets the same experience and probably the thing that's one of the things that's changed for us most recently is a lot of people are using their own personal devices now to sign in 
So we have a contactless option, which means that the iPad can be there, it can have your message, your branding on it, but ultimately the person who's arriving, if they don't want to touch the screen, they can use their own personal device. So they scan a QR code off the screen, a similar process to what people will be used to now with Test and Trace, and then they'll be presented on their own personal phone all the information that they need to collect. It's, it's just another way of making it really accessible for everybody, whether it's a, you know through the iPad, through the touchscreen, or through their own devices. They've got lots of options now. Dan, the business has been growing at a rate of knots. Just how far has that rate of increase been driving the business and perhaps the expansion of jobs within Signing App? Yeah, so we have been, we've been growing rapidly. And um, so we went from the beginning of the year, we had 3,000 clients and we're going to finish on 6,000 at the end of 2020. We've just opened an office in Spain and, and we've got two new starters to join early 2021. Still got an ambitious growth plan. So we'll look at growing by another 2,500 um, um, sites next year. And that will uh, mean more jobs, more opportunity for people. Dan, with a business that size and you know the, the scope for the business developing, doesn't that make you a target for the Facebooks, the Googles of this world, who, or even the Apples of this world, given that you're using that technology to say, do you know what? We're talking about human behavior. We're talking about something as simple as somebody coming to another place of work and signing in and giving in their details. Doesn't that make you a bit of a target? Yeah, uh, I think a target and as you become a larger business, I think you get all sorts of um, possibilities of things that could happen. But I think you need to concentrate on your own um, game. We understand the market better than most, if not anybody out there. We listen to our clients, as we've mentioned before, so well, we know what they want. You can't just um, pick that up. So yes threats and we're fully aware of them but do we get too hooked up on them no i think if we carry on doing a good job servicing our clients really well um that we'll be fine and if any of them do knock on the door or come up with anything we've got pretty good brains in the business and we'll react to it and we'll deal with it you say that with an enormous grin on your face the big brains (laughs) i was talking about everyone else No, I meant the managing director has just been sitting here with an enormous grin on his face at the prospect of a colossal great check from uh, the Mark Zuckerbergs of this world. We, you just can't focus on that. Do you know, I think that's a, that, that's a possibility in the future that something could happen, but you've got no control over it. Our job is to keep all these people employed in Northamptonshire and Spain now and um, develop a great product. And like Chris rightly said, we've got huge responsibility for health and safety and um, all these people that are using our product day in, day out. All right. Well, the super yachts may not yet be on order, but that will follow in due course. They always say in things like this that you should talk about brand, not price. But what does it cost to get started with signing out? Um, it's £295 um, per annum for a 12-month subscription, and that gets you all of our app features and, and portal features. So there's no hidden costs with that or anything like that. You do require hardware, the iPad, you can use one, uh, but um, we've got a full package offering that you can see on our website if you're interested. Why would you not want to be part of an ever-growing family and a family that's growing at a rate of knots? Sign in app. Chris, Dan, thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Cheers. That's Dan and Chris from Sign in app. Give them a try at signinapp.com. How's that for clarity? From one business helping its clients to manage the comings and goings of their visitors around the world, to one with literally millions of individual visits made every year. 
The 350-acre site that is now Why Boston Lakes Resort first saw life in 1983, since when it's grown from being principally a golf course to a complex boasting state-of-the-art facilities in accommodation, conference and training, as well as adventure activities. As Director of Marketing Louisa Watson told me, though, the business continues to be firmly built on the values of the family which first set up the business over 35 years ago. Yes, it, it is a family-driven business. We've, uh, we've been on this site for uh, nearly 40 years now, as Why Boston Lakes, um, and it's come from being just a golf course with a golf hut to uh, having two big business venues on site, both of which are residential. It has a, a lovely four-star hotel and spa, 18-hole golf course. We've got the team building the water sports, which I think you've you've actually been to previously. Have, yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> um, and we've got a nature reserve. Not a lot of people know that actually. We've got a lovely nature reserve on site here, which is um, supported by the Wildlife Trust, and we also have the serviced offices as well that we run here. So, is the business? appealing to the corporate sector is it appealing to the family sector because both are welcome but presumably not both make the same amount of revenue for the business um well that's true uh, we have two big business venues and they're obviously aimed at the corporate sector uh, as is the serviced offices um but the hotel really is is much more aimed at um our consumer audience and couples and ladies that want to spar and and uh, or, or play golf um and and in fact the the team building uh, the water sports center caters for both as well so we do t big team building experiences down on the lake for for corporates but they they also have an aqua park down there um where you can go and and frolic around on the lake with the kids so you talk about the geography of where you are cambridge is a stone's throw away mm -hmm. uh, milton Keynes, relatively speaking is a stone's throw mm -hmm. away as well there's a lot of talk going on about mm -hmm. the new arc program that's going to be linking oxfordshire cambridgeshire those two particularly mm -hmm. university cities Cities, plus everything that goes in between. Is that something that you are planning for in terms of investment or is it something that you will perhaps benefit from simply because you're here already? Yeah, I think the latter. We will benefit from it because we are here already and um, it will just bring us closer really to our clients and make us a more desirable location. Uh, we invest in our businesses all the time and you know this this venue that we're in has just had a one million pound investment um, this year despite everything um, we actually had started the investment in this building back in January of this year so that that arc that that accessibility is just going to allow us to to be closer to those uh, to those customers I don't know too many businesses that publish a gender pay gap report. Mm -hmm. You do. Uh, your second is up there at the moment. I think it was 2018. Is that, a, is that a conscious decision on your behalf to say, look, we've got nothing to hide. Let's leave it open for, for people to, to read and judge accordingly? Absolutely. We, we publish the gender pay gap um, in April every year. It goes onto the website. Um, it's released to, to the media as well. Uh, we're quite proud of the gender pay gap report because we are quite uh, a diverse business and we focus on equality as well. Um, being hospitality, we have some quirks in terms of age and gender as well in, in the fact that we in, can employ some quite young people um, and, um, and we employ quite highly in the female area as well, um, which is great, but it, it's about equality, not about one weighted to the other. So we are quite focused on that. And you talk about 
employing younger people, as time goes on, those younger people may well be operating businesses in their own right. You have to respond to the needs of business. The people who run businesses are getting ever younger. We, we, we move in, in that kind of a market right now. Mm. You've got some interesting detail up on the website talking about your attitude towards future clientele. You're actively looking at what Generation Z, Generation Y, how they run their business and therefore how the business of Y Boston Lakes has to react to that too. You're kind of trying to future-proof the business. Absolutely. That's absolutely what we're doing. We did a lot of research work on Generation Y, Generation Z, on how they learn and how they want to learn and how they will learn going forward. And it's quite different from my generation, your generation, how we used to learn in front of a blackboard or in a classroom with books and, and being talked at with a PowerPoint slide that was on an OHP. And, you know, you remember the acetates. How acetate. are you going back? Yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> I'm showing my age. But that, that is how we learned. And, and bizarrely enough, we picked it up. We were like sponges and, and we gained knowledge. That's not how, how Generation Y and Generation Z do things anymore. They're, with the advent of technology, with social media, with the different platforms that they use, they learn and they soak things up very differently. They're a much more creative um, generation than uh, possibly we've seen in some time. They uh, bounce off each other. They socialise uh, much more differently to how we used to do that. Um, and they want different things. They want they want colour. They want humour. When they eat, they don't want to eat off a beige-looking buffet. They want to eat you know nice, tasty, funky food that you know might have been street food or or something different. And they've got different dietary requirements as well. Um, Are you trying to give them a Google experience by being here in that case? Because they will also learn from sharing time together. Be that flying hovercraft getting out onto the lake on a jet ski, driving a quad bike, those kinds of things where the experiential side of working together then translate into their businesses when they get back to work. Absolutely. And and even within uh, proper academic training, if you go down um, to the corridor to the training rooms here, you've got one training room after the other after the other. But on the walls of those corridors, you've got great inspirational quotes, you've got real humour, and you've got huge colouring in walls with, with uh, felt-tip pens and colours and all sorts where the guys will come out of their training room and they'll pick up the colouring in pens and they'll stand there for half an hour talking to each other and colouring in. And, and it's not just about uh, going on the lake or getting a hovercraft. It's about the experience when they are actually learning. And these little pockets of social spaces are really, really important. How far does work hard, play hard become part of the ethos of Wide Bottom Lakes? Uh, yes, absolutely. And this year, <laughs> it's been a lot of working hard and, and uh, not a lot of playing hard. But... Um, yeah, it is absolutely like that. We we are we are one big team that pull hard when we need to and play hard when we need to. As and when lockdown is lifted, as and when Brexit goes through, it looks as though you're very well placed to capitalise on those spaces, on those experiences and on those relationships as well. Mm, yeah, we feel that way we, and, and we certainly hope that that's the case. Um, we, we've worked hard to ensure that that, that can happen. And we, we really hope our clients feel that way as well. Sounds like the family's in good shape. Yeah, definitely. <laughs>
That's Louisa Watson from Why Boston Lakes Resort. Have a look at the excellent whybostonlakes.co.uk website for all the latest booking and facilities information. Does your business need to be seen, be heard or be found? Now, more than ever, companies need to make it clear that they are open for business. All Things Management is a team of creatives who connect their clients to their audience. To find out more, visit allthingsmanagement.co.uk. Be seen, be heard, be found. December this year is going to be unlike any other that the world has seen, and in a variety of different ways here in Great Britain. We continue to wrestle with coronavirus, but with high hopes for vaccine introduction against COVID-19. Global trade and commerce is reeling, and for Britain, a new dawn outside the EU with Brexit, deal or no deal, is now finally in sight. In the first edition of All Things Business, the podcast, I spoke to Semlep, and I've been doing so again, this time with Growth Hub manager Vicky Hlumuka. So with 2021 just a couple of weeks away now, is there still time to make preparations for what will be very different ways to do business? Vicky says yes, and also knows where, if you haven't already done so, you should now be looking to get up to speed. A good place to start is to go on the government website, on the transition pages. There is a checklist on there. Um, And actually what it does is it takes you through the specific circumstances and it's tailored to your specific needs. And the sorts of things that that it will will get you to consider are things like, you know, do you travel to the EU for business? Uh, Does your business employ EU nationals? Um, You know, one that people often don't think about is, you know, do you exchange personal data with organisations in the EU? And that includes where you might have websites or services that are hosted by the EU. Have you got any considerations around intellectual property protection? Um, you know, copyright, trademarks, that type of thing that you might need to consider. You know, the big one that people often think about is, you know, do you import or export goods, but not just goods, you know, do you, you know, services as well. And it also looks at the impacts for sectors. So, you know, if you're a food manufacturer, what the impacts in terms of food labelling, you know, it could be CE marks, that type of thing. It shouldn't take you more than 30 minutes to complete. Um, And what it will do is give you a list of recommended actions, uh, ordering them with the most urgent at the top. Now, I recognise that can feel overwhelming and um, therefore as a growth hub and as, as SEMLEP, we have a team of trained business advisors who can really help people understand the impacts for them. And we also run a programme of webinars to look at some of those areas related to import and export. But, you know, my, my top thing would be to at least take that couple of hours to really understand what the impacts are for your business. Let me ask you a question which you may or may not want to answer. Do you perceive that we're going to end up with a no deal Brexit or is this uh, very 11th hour series of negotiations just going to come to nothing? What's your sense? Uh, It is a very difficult question to answer. And and I suppose the other side of it is whether we are talking about, you know, two continuums, you know, a deal or a no deal. Um, I, I think it's probably more around sort of the uh, you know, the favourability of, of what we end up with. Um, I mean, it does, you know, it, it, it does feel like uh, time time is running out. And, um, you know, I think from our point of view, all we can do is really prepare businesses for every scenario so that they are as prepared as possible. You know, so if we do end up in that situation that seems more akin to a no deal, um, they've got everything in place that they possibly can do to deal with that. All right, let's leave Brexit to one side. How has Semlet's Growth Hub been helping businesses deal with COVID-19? We've now had two lockdowns. We hope that we're about to see the end of lockdown too, but we might not be seeing the end of lockdown. How have you been helping through the Growth Hub? 
Um, so I think initially a lot of the uh, support focused on things like helping businesses navigate the financial support measures available through government, putting on webinars to, to, to not only understand some of the grants and the, the loans available, but also look at things like, you know, working remotely, selling remotely, leading a team remotely and all the different things that businesses have to have had to consider, uh, you know, working uh, within the constraints of the pandemic. Um, and so a lot of our work is really focused on helping businesses build resilience, whether that be sort of financial resilience, supply chain resilience. Um, but as I mentioned, financial support's obviously been a very important part of, of what's been available. And uh, we had a, launched a grant scheme back in September, uh, providing grants of up to £3,000 for uh, minor equipment and consultancy to help businesses to diversify and recover. Uh, and we're launching another um, capital grant scheme in December. And I think finally, we've really seen the value of businesses, of peer-to-peer support, businesses coming together uh, to sort of solve challenges together, sort of share concerns. And so we're, you know, we're also, as we look towards the start of 2021, uh, launching a peer network programme to really help businesses to focus on on recovery together. What is business saying uh, in terms of what is still needed from government, be that from the, the, the likes of Rishi Sunak or elsewhere? Yeah, so so we've been tracking very closely both, uh, you know, the local and the national picture um, and looking at what those, uh, you know, economic impacts are for this for the SEMLET region. Um, and, you know, we, we, we've got lots of, of, of data that our analysts have put together, which is available on our website. But based on that evidence, um, I think we, we expect that, you know, the impact on GVA on employment in the in the local area, you know, it, it seems to be following a similar trajectory to the national picture. However, we recognise that there are significant variations by place and sector. So, you know, some parts of our area, are, uh, you know, we expect will, will fare sort of worse than others. And, you know, clearly there are sectors, you know, sort of we look at the sort of impacts around the airports, um, you know, clearly the sort of visitor and hospitality sector. Um, but, you know, there are some positive signs. You know, one of the things we track on a weekly basis is job postings as a kind of indication of, uh, you know, w- what we might see. And, you know, in the last few weeks, sort of pre the, the sort of lo- uh, latest lockdown, we have started to see uh, job postings and job vacancies sort of recover to pre-lockdown levels, which, which is, you know, which is a positive thing. Um, in terms of what's needed from government, I think businesses really need the time to prepare for what comes next. So, you know, I think our ask would be that we see clarity on on what comes after that, you know, well in advance of, of that deadline. And as we've already discussed, you know, clarity on our EU exit position, you know, it's almost regardless of outcome, whether it's that nearer to no deal or, or, or a favourable deal. They just want clarity so that they can kind of get on with preparing. And I guess for us as an organisation, you know, our kind of ask would be clarity on the sort of longer term funding landscape so that we we kind of know what resources are available to uh, to help to rebuild the local economy. There will be those who say our oh, 2021 is going to be so, so difficult. There will also be those who say 2021 is a massive opportunity. How far do you subscribe to that latter view? I'm probably an optimist myself, so I would absolutely subscribe to it in that I think that, you know, it's been a very challenging year for everyone. And, you know, clearly there is lots of uncertainty still out there. However, I think our business community have proven this year that they have shown incredible resilience and innovation in the face of the crisis in the way that they've diversified, uh, you know, where their market's been sort of flawed and they've diversified to new products and services. And therefore, I'd say that, you know, we, we've got those ingredients to sort of encourage our businesses to say, you know, take advantage of the opportunities that 21 presents. You know, actually, as we think towards 2021, there are opportunities as we move further towards digital, 
you know, as we perhaps see more investment in, in innovation, you know, we work with a wide range of business support partners from universities, the chambers, you know, our local authorities and talking to some of our investors and finance colleagues, you know, there is funding out there. But my advice to businesses would be get that support and guidance to identify what the right opportunities are for you as we head into 2021. Vicky Hlamuka there, recommending the investment of a little time getting up to speed for the arrival of 2021. Have a look at semlep.com for details of support structures and that growth hub too. My last guest on this episode of All Things Business, the podcast, and of 2020, certainly knows what it means to be at the top of his game. Steve Thompson was a key member of the England squad which lifted the William Webb Ellis Trophy in the Rugby World Cup of 2003. The entire squad, from players on the field to coaches and management off it, rightly became national heroes, with honours and the rewards which came from sheer hard work and dedication. Some went on to media work, which kept them in the public eye. Others found that that hard work still lay ahead of them, ultimately outside the sport. Steve Thompson has followed the latter path. He had to, after injury in the sport that he'd become a professional in, left him with a potentially life-threatening situation. After hanging up his boots, he's now embarking on a new stage in his working life. Steve's been coached by some of the best in the sport, Clive Woodward and Ian McGeekin to name but two. I wanted to know Steve's view of the importance of good management in team play but I was a bit surprised to hear what he had to say. To be honest, it wasn't sort of those two. Clive never really spoke to me much, to be honest. He had nothing to do with me. Uh, it was more Andy Robinson. Andy Robinson in the England setup was brilliant for me. You know, he, he knew I was a bit of a, you know, how do I say it, a bit rough around the edges. So he he was the one that really mentored me in the England squad as such. But the Saints, you know, John Steele, when he came in, so we had Geach, who coached, who was an unbelievable coach, Whereas then John Steele came in the year we won the European Cup and he was tough on me and he understood me. Having those big coaches was brilliant technically, but it was just the actual people off the field as well that actually sort of sculpted me into the way that you know, I needed to be. Steve, you are now a businessman in your own right and you're a brewer. Yep, so we just set up a, a good brewery down south. Um, our facility is going to be completely open, hopefully in March with everything's going on. Uh, but we have started brewing beer out of a smaller brewery at the moment. Um, we've had the first bottles and cans filled last week. Um, I've done quite a bit, considerable bit of tasting, so I'm happy with them. Um, <laughs> are, so, you, are you telling me the Thompson beer belly is back by any chance? No, I'm the opposite now. I'm, I've got all those Pelotons. So I'm, you know, I have been up to 140, 550 kilos in the past, but no more. You know, I've got to, I'm keeping myself fit now. So, um, so I'm doing a lot of fitness, but then, you know, a little bit of tasting. So, you know, for me, that's exciting. You know, we've got this great building that's part of the Navy down south, uh, where the brewery is going to be. And then also, you know, the actual brewery itself is the Powder Monkey that we're part of. Mm -hmm. But then on the side of that, it's going to be it's Hop and Hooker which is the first sort of beer that we're releasing. Um, so, you know, it's good times in, in a serious bad time. You know, I don't want to sound ungrateful because there's a lot of bad going on at the moment. You know, for me, you know, even a few weeks ago the, when we had the first lockdown, you know, I was working on the tools. I was out doing the water pipes, bursting the main water pipes, 50 pipes, whacking lead into them, digging down and, and doing stuff like that so I could work and keep myself mobile. So, you know, I know what it's like to work and I love working. That's what the rugby, you know, enabled me to learn really was keep focused, get a goal and go for it. And surely you're going to be stocked at Franklin's Gardens. There's going to be plenty of uh, the, the Thompson face and the Hopman Hooker brand when people finally get back into the stadiums. 
you know, I'm up there in the beginning of December uh, for the England match. Hopefully, with you know, if we do come out of lockdown and they they let us do it, which I'm really looking forward to. You know, it's going to be quite emotional. I've only been back to the, the Saints once before in I think in about 20 years, really. Um, and you know, it was such a massive part of my life. It did save me. You know, I was someone that could have gone the wrong way, um, and it was like a family to me. Um, so to leave that was was sort of quite emotional, really. But you know, going back there, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, seeing some old faces that hopefully have age worse than I have, so I don't get the worst. <laughs> don't worry about the cauliflower ears. You're going to get a very good welcome back. I've, got... Got, the, I've, got, I've got the saggy face. All my eyes have got saggy and stuff. It's terrible. Oh, listen, they've got plastic surgeons for that. You've got nothing to, you've got nothing to worry about. Steve, oh, you are now a businessman. Would you do anything differently if you were an up-and-coming cult all over again? I mean, there may well be people who've got youngsters who may be part of the ONs. They may be eyeing uh, something to do with the Saints. They may just be looking at improving their rugby game. Would you do anything differently now? In a way, I wish I hadn't gone professional, to be honest. I would have preferred to have been the old school when I first got involved and get a job, play it because you love the sport, not because it's a game, and and do it like that, really. But, um, you know, it is is what it is. There's only going to be a small number that actually make it to the top. But when it went professional, I sort of got told, you know, you either go professional now or you don't. And I, I was doing a an apprenticeship for Chippy and I had to give that up for the rugby whereas now I really wish I'll have had that real skill skill set or, or a proper trade as such because rugby you can be finished in a heartbeat like I've found out um, you know with a second injury I was, I was went to Wasps looking to sort of get my second life after rugby in the city and things like that and look at you know connections down there and it didn't work out you know I was only there for a week and got injured up straight away so for me, if you're a young lad coming through, the big thing is just get yourself a trade. Get yourself where the rugby could stop easily overnight and then you can just get back into normal life. Feet firmly on the ground. Steve, I want to I want to finish with one final question, which is topical. England are the Six Nations champions after the longest competition in the tournament's history. Boy, did we have to wait to get the final result on that. Now they're straight into the Autumn Nations campaign. Um, <laughs> would you want to be in their boots right now? Because that must be absolutely gruelling. And where do you see England ending up? Um, for me, France were the team in the Six Nations. You know, England... Sort of, it was one of them. We sort of just sort of crawled over the line, which was good. Don't get me wrong; it's awesome for England to win a Six Nations. But you know, as as someone like France, England must be thinking right that they're the ones that we've really got to go for now um, and look to, especially with the World Cup being there next next time. Um, so England just got to try some new players as well, which they're they're starting to do. Um, you know, they need a bit more strength and depth. You know, obviously not the back row, obviously, because they're just, <laughs> it's unbelievable how many back rows they've got. <laughs> you know, hookers as well. You know, he's good. George is there. But, you know, Dunn's coming through. Cowan Dickey. You know, so for the first time in a few years, they've actually got some great hookers there. You know, so they've got strength and depth. But in other positions, they haven't. And, you know, for me, like fly half and that, for me, is a little bit worrying. Um, so, you know, if, if you look at that key position, you know, that's where we lost it, I think, in the World Cup as well you know as much as everyone says it sounds bad I've always said you know we are we are weak there Farrell is well class if you play him at fly half but they keep swapping him and stuff so you've got to build a squad around that and have someone else that can fit into there if he does get injured or suspended which might happen with him <laughs> Steve always a pleasure to talk to you uh, we'll look forward to seeing you back here in Northamptonshire before very much longer meantime hop and hooker we'll look forward to blowing the froth off the top of one before very much longer all the very best for the brewery and keep in touch won't you 
Cheers, mate. I will do. Thanks very much. Thank you. That's Steve Thompson looking forwards towards 2021. Somehow I feel a hop and hook a taste test is called for shortly. That's it for this edition of All Things Business, the podcast, the last one of 2020. And many thanks to my guests, Dan Harding and Chris Burton of Sign In App, Louisa Watson from Y Boston Lakes Resort, Vicky Klamuka from Semleps Growth Hub, and sporting star Steve Thompson. I'll be back in January, but until then, enjoy whatever the festive season brings you and your family. Stay safe, and here's to 2021, a year which will certainly bring new challenges and hopefully new opportunities. From everybody on the All Things Business, the podcast team, thanks for listening.